Welcome to the year-end wrap-up episode of Mercalis in Motion, the official podcast series brought to you by Mercalis. Mercalis is an integrated life sciences commercialization partner that provides comprehensive solutions that span the entire healthcare value chain. The company partners closely with its clients to deliver an end-to-end spectrum of commercial capabilities that work together seamlessly and flexibly. Backed by proven industry expertise and results-driven technology, Mercalis provides the data and strategic insights, patient support services, and healthcare provider engagement tools to help life sciences companies successfully commercialize new products. Above all, Mercalis helps navigate the complex life sciences marketplace to accelerate value and enhance patient lives. Founded in 2000, Mercalis provides commercialization solutions to more than 500 life sciences customers and has provided access and affordability support to millions of patients. The company is headquartered in Morrisville, North Carolina. For more information about Mercalis, please visit us at mercalis.com. My name is Landy Townsend, the VP of Marketing and Communications here at Mercalis. And as usual, I'm flanked by Eric Manning, Mercalis's Creative Director. Eric, how are you today? I'm very well. I hope uh, everybody out there is gearing up for the holidays and uh, everybody's getting everything, uh, all their last minute shopping in place. I think we only have, uh, what, less than uh, what less than two weeks now. It's yeah, next, we're next Sunday. Down. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of husbands are going to be out uh, at Walgreens at last minute on Christmas Eve. You know, getting the uh, getting the the presents they should have gotten uh, three or four weeks before. <laughs> oh, thank you, honey. What I've always wanted a new tree skirt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. A nose hair trimmer. How lovely. That's great. <laughs> they're they're great when they don't bind. <laughs> Well, as Eric said, it's it's mid-December and we're marking the end of our third full year as a podcast. Throughout 2023, we have welcomed numerous colleagues and friends to the studio and have discussed a myriad of topics. Our number of downloads continues to rise and we are blown away by the number of people who approach us at conferences and the people that reach out to us via LinkedIn to tell us they are regular listeners of the podcast. We've even had Mercalis employees tell us that listening to the podcast has been a great way to familiarize themselves with the many facets of our business here at Mercalis. So, because the end of the calendar year seems to be a great time for reflection, today Eric and I will look back on our 2023 episodes to pick out a few of our favorite moments. After a very busy January and February, the first episode from year two was actually released on March 14th and featured our CEO, Scott Doolitz, who stopped by to discuss Mercalis's prolific M&A strategy, recent successes, future plans, and its vision for the full-service life sciences commercialization company. Here's Scott from that episode as he talks about what Policy Reporter and Triangle Insights Group have brought to our organization. Timely access to payer intelligence, we all know is critical for life science companies throughout the life cycle of their products. And, you know, Policy Reporter's best-in-class subscription service alerts um, our clients really in real time as, like, new payer policies are being published, as changes are made to existing policies. And, you know, ultimately, a lot of these policies, um, decisions, Landy, it, it's going to inform coverage. Um, for our clients' products. So it's a, uh, you know, it's obviously a high demand offering. 
And the breadth and depth of the policy database that we have at Policy Reporter, it's really unrivaled today in the industry. It's a super unique asset. And, you know, it's really kind of the cornerstone behind a lot of that growth that you referenced that we're experiencing um, within that segment of our business. You know, the other thing I would add is is because, you know, the rich data that we have, um, we can develop very highly insightful payer landscape reports, which ultimately help our clients understand not only how payers are covering their own products, but in many cases, you know, our clients will want to understand how competitor products are being covered within a specific therapeutic class as well. Um, We've extended our offerings, you know, beyond like payer landscape and just the core subscription service to also include things like the development of model policy and predictive coverage reports, which, you know, are extremely valuable to life science companies that are preparing to launch new products and bring new products to market. The Triangle Insights acquisition was highly strategic for trial card in a few different ways. So, um, first off, you know, Triangle tends to get in very early with emerging biopharma companies to support those organizations with things like commercial assessments and due diligence, um, as well as new product planning projects, which those types of projects will typically start about 36 months prior to um, a product launching. So, you know, this type of pre-commercialization support really provides the broader organization with unique insights about our clients' products, as well as the patients that those products um, are treating. And so, you know, these insights, they can be utilized by our patient support services team to inform launch strategy and program design. Um, Obviously, having a deeper um, understanding of a disease state, like patient cohorts and prescriber dynamics, really ensures that The programs that we design, whether it's a hub program, a patient affordability program, even in some cases, some of the engaged HCP programs that we have in place. But, you know, those insights ensure that those program designs and recommendations ultimately drive strong results right out of the gate, which, again, for launch products, we also, you know, know getting it right from the beginning is is really, really important. So, That's kind of, you know, the first thing that I would say with respect to, you know, kind of the value that Triangle Insights provides. You know, secondly, you know, the Triangle acquisition really further positioned us to be that full service commercialization partner to the life science industry that is, you know, at the core of our vision today. On April 27th, Eric and I were back at it with healthcare industry veteran Dean Earhart, MBA, the president and CEO of D2 Solutions, a healthcare consulting company based in the greater St. Louis area. Dean was the podcast's first guest from outside the organization and discussed how D2, formerly known as D2 Pharma Consulting, offers strategic consulting with digital technology and solutions. D2 and Mercalis have a longstanding relationship, which has allowed both companies to drive opportunities and value for manufacturers in the market. Yeah, but uh, but as an organization, one of the areas where we've really developed a reputation is helping pharmacies, particularly those in the specialty pharmacy space, really take a look at their business model around how do they become more operationally efficient? How do they drive revenue opportunities with manufacturers? What requirements are there to be in network for limited distribution products? 
Um, and then, uh, so, so a lot of those activities are the activities that we've worked with trial card on the pharmacy side. And then more recently, we've been engaged with uh, some of the other divisions of trial card, notice, notably policy reporter, mm -hmm. which really complements um, what we do in the marketplace, which is one of our divisions is what we call market access, where we have a market access team that actually is going out and selling, calling on payers, so commercial, Medicare, Medicaid, VA, DOD, um, to be able to get coverage on behalf of small and mid-sized manufacturers. So in that realm, we're now working with uh, different divisions of the organization, helping some of the emerging pharma companies that are clients of trial card globally to be able to take a take the next step in where they need to go relative to how do they uh, how do they gain market access and we can kind of do some of the things that as an organization trial card doesn't do to complement that service and that need. In late May, the flowers were blooming and the birds were singing when we welcomed Chris Harris, our VP of Operations Management, to the studio. Chris oversees TC Script, our non-commercial dispensing pharmacy in Scottsdale, Arizona. Since acquiring TC Script in 2018, we have been able to administer patient assistance programs on behalf of pharmaceutical manufacturers. TC Script also provides quick start programs, which provide a free limited supply of drug for a patient initiating therapy, and bridge programs provided as a courtesy to help a patient remain adherent to therapy while any outstanding insurance issues are resolved. Here's more from Chris. When we acquired TC Script in October of 2018, it really transformed the company a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we were doing a lot of this, um, the services within our hub space to identify underserved patients, patients that had barriers to access. They had formulary challenges. They were uninsured, underinsured. Um, we were doing all of this already, right? And so... Um, I guess back when the OIG came out with some guidance that said, you know, you need to firewall your commercial product from your non-commercial product for tax purposes and liability purposes. Um, you know, we kind of had an aha moment that, all right, so we don't want to get into the commercial space because, you know, there might be some challenges there with kind of what we do with our manufacturers, so on and so forth. But we're already identifying these patients that need um, additional support. That's that's really the importance of a hub service in general is is getting access to patients, starting them on therapy quickly, and understanding what needs to happen month over month for these patients to continue on their therapy. And so, you know, it was it was really just a a uh, synergy that we thought mm -hmm. that all right, if we're already doing this, wouldn't it be you know, an improvement to this patient experience if we could also provide them the service through free goods. Our next episode was released during the hot, sticky month of July, featured Megan Thomas, a partner at Triangle Insights Group by Mercalis, and Jason Zemzik, who at the time was a principal consultant with our Insights and Data Group from Policy Reporter by Mercalis. We would have been hard-pressed to find two individuals who were more well-versed on the topic at hand. That topic in question was the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, commonly known as the IRA Act. As we learned from Megan and Jason, the drug provisions within the act are of critical importance to pharmaceutical manufacturers who must make smart decisions when thinking through their portfolio strategies and pricing and market access considerations. Here's more from Megan and Jason. 
analysts. Uh, big picture, what are the key areas of the Inflation Reduction Act uh, that pharma manufacturers need to be following? Sure. So there's six or seven different drug provisions within the legislation that was passed last year. There are three that manufacturers are really focused on across the board. The first is drug negotiation. So this means that within the Inflation Reduction Act, for the first time within the Medicare channel, there will be negotiated drug prices. So in practice, that's a form of price control, and that will be implemented for about 50 Part B and 50 Part D drugs that ultimately have the highest Medicare spend. So think chronic drugs or or high specialty cost drugs. There's also Part D redesign, which changes the benefit structure for Part D beneficiaries. It removes the coverage gap, which will be great for patients by 2025, and it revises the liability for both plans as well as manufacturers, which means clients will be paying more in the form of rebates overall and have lower net prices given the Part D redesign. Additionally, there's inflationary penalties, which everyone's focused on, so this will mean that If manufacturers raise their annual price increases over CPIU index, that they'll have to provide rebates back for those price increases year over year. So this is similar to what happens in Medicaid today. Yeah, really, Megan did a great job of of summarizing uh, the key points uh, that manufacturers need to be concerned with around the IRA. And I think some of the really challenging implications that we're going to see with negotiation one thing that stands out is this is somewhat of a moving target. There's a, a very, very complicated uh, formula. The, um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services release guidance on how exactly uh, negotiation-eligible drugs are going to be identified. Um, and it's somewhat of a moving target in the sense that we're going to see the first cut of this list, the negotiation-eligible drug list, uh, coming out soon, September of this year. Um, but it's based on on price and market calculations uh, that are are over a period, a rolling period of time. And so from a manufacturer standpoint, um, it's going to require them to really maintain current on all of their data, all of their pricing data, and try to understand, um, are they going to be, do you have a product that's going to be targeted for negotiation? Uh, you may think that you are going to avoid that when, in fact, you will be on the negotiation eligible, eligible list. Um, when it comes to Part D redesign, I think the, the big thing here we're really going to see is increased likelihood or need for cross-subsidization as this spills over into the commercial market. As summer heat gave way to cooler temperatures, the leaves began to fall and football season began. Shortly after Labor Day, Eric and I welcome to the studio our colleague Diana Villanova, the VP of Patient Support Services Strategy at Mercalis to address and discuss alternate funding programs, or AFPs. The rising costs of healthcare have forced employers to search for new ways to offer quality healthcare to their employees. As a result, self-funded insurance programs are on the rise and incomes alternate funding providers who are third-party administrators that work predominantly with these self-funded insurance plans to find alternate ways to obtain high-cost medications. Self-funded companies only pay for the benefits that their companies use, so this becomes a very attractive option to them, and AFPs help them find a way for them to reduce the overall cost. Here's more from Diana. First of all, let's just let's just cut to the chase. What are alternate funding programs, and why are they presenting challenges for drug manufacturers right now? 
Yeah, so what we're seeing in our industry is just a rising cost overall of healthcare, and it's resulting in employers looking for new ways to offer quality health care to their employees. As a result, self-funded insurance programs are on the rise, and in comes alternate funding providers who are third-party administrators that work predominantly with these self-funded insurance plans to find alternate ways to obtain high-cost medications. Self-funded insurance companies only pay for the benefits their employees use. So this becomes a very attractive offering to them. And AFPs, which is the acronym for alternate funding providers, help them find a way to reduce that overall cost. So they're working with these employers to set their plan design and ultimately deciding what drugs they want to cover and what drugs not to cover. This becomes a problem for manufacturers because funds that are allocated for patients are being misused as a direct result of this practice. And it's a problem because right now there's really no clear-cut indicators in claims data that manufacturers typically use to monitor and maintain their drug spend to detect where and if their programs are being impacted. On November 20th, just before Thanksgiving, we were able to sit down with Mercalis CEO Scott Dulitz again to discuss our big news from September. On September 20th, TrialCard announced it had rebranded as Mercalis. Simple shorthand for commercializing life sciences, our new name reflects the company's vision to help life sciences companies enhance patient lives. Over the past several years, Mercalis has been implementing a deliberate strategy to expand its capabilities to support life sciences companies more comprehensively in their efforts to navigate complexity and accelerate value in a rapidly evolving marketplace. Years of robust organic growth and purposeful inorganic expansion, including seven acquisitions over the past five years, have further diversified our company beyond patient support into broader life sciences commercialization services. The transformation prompted the development and launch of this new brand, Mercalis, to encompass it all. For our marketing team and many others within the organization, this transformation into Mercalis was a labor of love that encompassed about a year. Our new logo, color palette, style guide, and radiant new website perfectly commemorate this new brand and positions us for future growth as we continue to respond to the needs of an ever-changing healthcare marketplace. Here's more from that discussion. What prompted TrialCard's recent rebrand to Mercalis? Well, that's a, that's a really good first question to get things started, Landy. Um, you know, if, if I reflect back a few years, maybe take us back to 2014, um, which was about a year before I actually joined at the time the trial card organization, you, you know, the company had embarked on a pretty deliberate strategy to diversify beyond, you know, really a market leading patient affordability business into what I'm just going to generally refer to as broader patient support services. Really, at that time, the focus was expanding into hub services. Um, you know, fast forward from really 2014 to 2017, and I would say the company really had successfully sort of executed on that strategy. You know, we um, had established ourselves as a market-leading patient support services provider, 
And that's really about the time, Landy, when we started to formulate what is today our current vision for the company, which is to be this fully integrated commercialization partner for the life sciences industry. And, uh, you know, I would say the better part of the last six years, we, uh, you know, we've continued to execute on that vision through really a combination of both um, robust organic growth within, you know, primarily our patient support services part of our business, but also I, I would say very purposeful inorganic expansion, which, you know, again, I, I think has completely transformed our business. And, you know, that was really sort of the, the catalyst to rethink our legacy branding. Our last episode of 2023 covered another extremely relevant and timely topic, one that has been in the news and on the minds of many life sciences executives over the past few years. Copay accumulators have been a major topic of discussion in the life sciences community, and Mercalis has been extremely busy providing continued guidance and support to our clients who have been impacted. After several recent legal developments, we decided to devote an episode of our Mercalis in Motion podcast to discuss the latest updates via a roundtable discussion. We welcome to the studio our colleague, Michael Harris, Mercalis' VP of Patient Support Services Strategy. He was joined by Carl Schmid, the Executive Director at the HIV Hepatitis Policy Institute, and Bill Sorrell, a partner with the Sidley Law Firm in Washington, D.C., this information will be very helpful to life sciences decision makers who are planning for 2024 and beyond. Take a listen from this episode. So over a year ago, uh, my organization, along with two diabetes organizations, filed Administrative Procedures Act complaint um, against the U.S. government for their, uh, their rule, and it was the 2021 Notice of Benefit and Payment Parameters Rule, that said insurers may but are not required to count copay assistance towards a beneficiary's uh, out-of-pocket costs. And um, so that you know, really set the stage for uh, rampant uh, increase of copay accumulators. And I should remind people that the rule before, the year before, uh, it said that um, only uh, copay accumulators can be put in place for brand name drugs with a generic equivalent, which was something that we, you know, was not perfect, but uh, we went along with and, and, and counted it as a victory. But they never implemented it. And they uh, then the next year put in this terrible uh, rule. And, uh, and we know what's happened since then. Uh, accumulators have taken off, and it's really been hurting uh, patient access and affordability of prescription drugs. Uh, and uh, we've been trying, you know, to get the administration, both the Trump and the Biden administration, to, to reverse that rule, but uh, to no avail. And so uh, we did file this uh this uh, litigation in uh, district court, federal district court, and uh, it's Administrative Procedures Act. So we went uh, on two uh, different ways. We said it was a violation of the Affordable Care Act law and the regulations. You know, the regulations for the definition of cost sharing says on our behalf of a, um, a beneficiary. And then we also went out and said it was arbitrary and capricious as well um, because it allowed insurers to decide uh, themselves if copay assistance can count or not. And we also said that the 2020 rule, that good rule, was abandoned without the due process. 
And they also said that, oh, cocaine accumulators are not going to increase. And so they really didn't go to do a good analysis. So our requested relief was to uh, to um, set aside that uh, provision that allows copay accumulators and then to also declare that copay accumulators are illegal. Bill, any response on your end? Yeah, I think that uh, a big part of the brief, which we were honored to work on, had to do exactly as, as Carl and you have highlighted with pointing out the harm to patients, that it's not merely financial, but that it actually affects uh, their treatment or, or uh, in fact, impedes their treatment. We also, I think, tried to do several other things which we hope were helpful in the uh, decision that then uh, was secured from the court. We certainly wanted to broaden the discussion from accumulators explicitly to maximizers. We wanted to stress that under the anti-discrimination provisions that uh, that apply under the ACA, that this uh, set of programs really are discriminatory, that they target people based on their conditions and the costs associated with those conditions and are uh, separately a, a violation of the discrimination protections of the ACA. Uh, we wanted to focus, uh, Carl mentioned that, that there were several aspects to the attack that they put together. We wanted to focus in particular on the statutory language and to show uh, from our uh, perspective why the law itself, the statute itself, precludes the position that the government uh, has taken. Um, and uh, we uh, very definitely also wanted to emphasize what we thought was an unlawful and improper delegation of this question about what to do with uh, co-payments under the statute uh, by the agency to insurers. Congress gave uh, the agency the power to uh, interpret and enforce the law. They didn't give it to insurers. And with that, we will tie a bow on the 2023 year as we look forward to 2024. We hope you have enjoyed the subject matter as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. We hope that you will continue this journey with us in the new year as we begin our fourth year as a podcast. If you heard something today that piques your curiosity and you want to hear more, please check out our entire library of episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you need a break from your family during the holidays, find a quiet room in the house and pop in some AirPods or find an excuse to take the dog for a walk and tap into this archive that can be found on your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review us. And if you'd like to know more about any of our many services, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email to sales at mercalis.com. With that, we're going to wrap up this final episode of Mercalis in Motion. I want to thank all of our guests that have joined us in 2023. And most of all, I wanted to thank Mercalis Creative Director Eric Manning for producing every single episode. Last but not least, the Mercalis family wishes you and yours a happy and safe holiday season. We look forward to bringing you additional informative dialogue on the life sciences industry in 2024 and beyond. Until then, please stay safe and be well. The Mercalis in Motion podcast is a production of Mercalis, Inc. It is edited and produced by Mercalis Creative Director Eric Manning. Mercalis and its content are the property of Mercalis, Inc., Morrisville, North Carolina, U.
S-A.